Because we've been discussing over the past few Mishnayas how it's forbidden to cause somebody else to eat untithed produce, and therefore it's forbidden to sell Tevel or Domai to an Amharetz, the Mishnah is now going to talk about how it's forbidden to sell or to give somebody else idols. Aloch is the one is forbidden to benefit at all from Amharetzar, from idolatry, and because of that, if somebody sells something like an idol, whatever he gets in exchange for that, he can't benefit from that, because that would indirectly be benefiting from the Avodah itself. Now, when somebody converts to become Jewish, the law is that One who converts is like a newborn child, and because of that, he's halakhically not considered related to any of his previous non-Jewish family. Which means that if his father dies, he won't inherit him, at least midoraisa. Mijabon, he does inherit him, so that he's not discouraged from remaining with the Jewish people. But be it as it may, because Midoraisa, he doesn't inherit his father, that means that as soon as his father dies, the property does not automatically get transferred to him. Rather, he only receives the inheritance if he performs a physical act of acquisition on the possessions. So the mission tells us, Ger if a convert, one who converts to become Jewish, and his non-Jewish brother, Shayoshua Saviem Goy, who together inherit their non-Jewish father. So at least on a Mijabonah level, half of the inheritance goes to the non-Jewish son, and half of it goes to the Jewish son, even though it's in general forbidden for somebody to exchange Avodah Zorah in return for something else, and if he does, then he cannot benefit from that something else. The Mishnah tells us that Yochel Hulaymar, the convert, is able to say to his brother, the non-Jew, you take all of the idolatry, I'll take the money which our father left us, or you take the wine of our father, the wine of a non-Jew is called Yain Nesech, and it's also forbidden for a Jew to benefit from, because it could have been used for idolatrous purposes. So he tells him, you take the wine, Rani Paris, I'll take the produce. And the reason why he's able to do this is because, like we explained, with the Araisa, he does not inherit his father. Which means that his father's property does not automatically get transferred to him. So as long as he hasn't acquired it himself with a physical act of acquisition, it's not considered exchanging it for something else. Rather, it's saying that at the beginning, the idols should go to the non-Jew. Nothing to do with him, he's not exchanging it. He's saying you should take it from your father. And I'll take the money, I'll take the produce from our father. But there's no exchange going on with the Avodah Zarah. And because of that, it is allowed. However, says the Mishnah of Imr once it has come into the possession of the convert, meaning once the convert has performed the physical act of acquiring the Avodah Zorah or the wine, then Osir is forbidden for him to exchange it for the produce or for the money, and then to benefit from the money, because that would be considered an exchange, and like we explained at the beginning of the Mishnah, one who exchanges something for Avodah Zorah cannot benefit from that thing. Mr. Yudalov, when the Torah discusses what Kalisol should do when they enter the land of Eretz Israel, it says that you should conquer all the nations of Eretz Israel, and then it says any nation and any country outside of Eretz Israel you can also conquer. And we see clearly from here that first we had to conquer the nations of Eretz Israel, and only then were we allowed to go and expand our borders onto the lands of Chutz Laaretz, the countries outside of Eretz Israel. Now, when David HaMelech conquered the, the areas of Eretz Israel, before completing the conquest of the entire land of Eretz Israel itself, he actually conquered a couple of other areas, which were outside of Eretz Israel, and these areas became known collectively as Surya. Now, in the land of Surya, for some things, Surya has the same status as Eretz Israel, but for other things, it has the same status as outside of Eretz Israel. Because it can't be considered as holy as Eretz Israel itself, because it was conquered before the entire Eretz Israel was conquered. So it's not really expanding Eretz Israel. It's just another country owned by the Jewish people. 
So for some things it's considered like Eretz Yisrael, and for other things it's considered like Chutz L'Oretz. Now the halachas with regards to produce which grew in Surya, as you can imagine, are slightly more lenient than the halachas of produce which grew in Eretz Yisrael itself. And one of those leniencies is that if somebody buys Demai in Surya, so he buys, let's say, something from an Amharetz in Surya, he does not need to separate the mices from that. And one of the reasons for this is because most of the produce which was sold in Surya actually grew outside of Eretz Yisrael itself, even outside of Surya in land which wasn't conquered at all by the Jewish people. And another reason why one does, one does not need to tithe the Mai, which is bought in Syria, is because most of the produce which was sold there was grown by non-Jews. Now in general, we've seen a number of times before, and an Amharetz is not trusted at all with regards to Maestras. So even if an Amharetz tells somebody that he did, did tithe that produce, he's not believed. However, we're going to see an exception to that in our Mishnah. Hamoche pays with Surya, one who sells produce in Surya of Oman, he says, Michel Eretz the produce which I'm selling you actually grew in Eretz itself. So of course, Chayv Aser, the buyer is obligated to tie that produce, because now the leniency of Surya no longer, no longer applies, because he knows that it grew in Eretz itself. So it's just like regular Demai. However, if the seller then says Musorin Hain, they are tithed, then even if he's an Amharetz Nehmon, he is trusted over here. And the reason for this is a very important rule, which is Shah Pesha Osar Hua Pesha Heter. Because the same mouth which forbade that thing is the mouth which permits it. Meaning, had the seller not said anything, which he could have done, then the buyer would not have had to separate Maestras, because he bought it in Surya, so he could have assumed that it grew in Surya or outside of Eretz Yisrael. It was only because the seller said that it came from Eretz Yisrael that you would have had to separate Maestras from it. And therefore, the same seller who was going to obligate you to separate Maestras from it, if he says something else now which exempts you from it, then he is believed, because his first part of the statement was the thing which created the obligation. So his second part of the statement statement can just remove that obligation and the buyer will not need to separate the tithes from that produce. On a similar note, if the person who is selling the produce in Surya says, Mishalihain, the produce belongs to me and it comes from what I grew, meaning a Jew planted it in Surya, and therefore it's just like regular Demai, which the buyer would need to separate mices from Chaylaser, he is obligated to separate the tithes from it. However, once again, if the seller then turns around and says, Musorinhain, they are tithed, then Nemon he is believed because the mouth which forbade it, meaning the mouth which created the obligation on you to tie the produce, that is the same mouth that is the same mouth which can allow you, which can exempt you from tithing that produce, as we have explained. However, says the Mishnah, this only works if had he not said what he said at the beginning, then the buyer would have been exempt. So by him saying that they came from his own field, he is creating the obligation. However, if it's already known that this seller has one field in Surya, or he has more than one field in Surya, then you can already assume that the produce which he is selling you is that which he grew in Surya from his own produce, and therefore even without him having said Mishanihain, he would have been obligated to separate the tithes, which means that there was no Pesha Osar. He wasn't the one who created the obligation, because he would have been obligated anyway, and therefore if he then says, Musorinhain, they are tithed, that would not be good enough, and therefore Chayv Aser, the buyer would need to separate the tithes from it, because he wouldn't be able to say, A Pesha Osar Hua Pesha Hitter, because the obligation was already there, even without the seller's first statement. Mission Yud Base. Once more, we're going to come across the concept of Breira, which, as you recall, refers to a situation in which if the end result is that something belongs to a particular person, and we view it as if it always belonged to him, at least that's the Breira which we're using in this context, it retroactively becomes clear that it always belonged to that person. Says the Mishnah, Am Haaretz Omar Chover. If an Am Haaretz said to a Chover, a Chover is somebody 
who is particular with the laws of tithes and Tum and Tahara. And the Chalim is on the way to the marketplace, and the Amaret says, Kachli Agudas Yorok. Buy for me a bundle of vegetables, or Kachli Gluskan Achas, buy for me a very nice loaf of bread. And the Chalim goes and he now wants to buy one loaf for himself and one loaf for the Amaretz. Or one bundle of vegetables for himself and one bundle of vegetables for the Amaretz. So of course the issue will arise if the Chalim buys from somebody who he doesn't know, then that person is presumed to be an Amaretz, which means that that produce is the Mai. And one is not allowed to sell or give the Mai to an Amaretz without tithing it first. So will the Chalim need to tithe that loaf before giving it to the Amaretz who, bu- who asked him to buy it? So the Mishnah says that no, Lokech Stam, he can buy it without specifying, meaning, meaning he can buy two loaves of bread, and if he doesn't specify which loaf is going to go to him and which loaf is going to go to the Amharets, then Upotter, who will be exempt from separating the tithes on behalf of the Amharets. And the reason for this is because we apply the rule of Breira, that whichever loaf he gives to the Amharets, we view it as if it always belonged to that Amharets from the time that the Chavre bought the loaf. And therefore it's not as if the Chavre is giving it now to the Amharets, rather, he's just a messenger passing it from the seller in the marketplace onto this Amharets. However, the Imomar, if the Chavar said when he bought the two loaves, Shalizoi, this loaf is for me, Vizoshal Chaveri, and this loaf is for my Amharets friend. So he specified which one's which, in that case, of course, you can't say Breira anymore, because he specified which one is going to the Amharets. And the truth is, at this stage, it's not necessarily a problem. Because since the Chover bought a loaf specifically for the Amharets, when he gives it to the Amharets, again, he's just a messenger. He's passing it from the seller onto that Amharets, so he does not need to tithe it, because he's just a messenger. However, what happens if before giving it to the Amharets of Inis Oroville, the two loaves got mixed together, and he can't remember, he's not sure which loaf he designated for himself, and which one he designated for the Amharets. So in this scenario, if he gives one of the loaves to the Amharets, it could be that the loaf which he's giving him is the one that he designated for himself which means that he is giving it over to the Amharets, and therefore Chayvla Aster, he would be obligated to tithe it before giving it to the Amharets, even if there are a hundred loaves which he bought for the Amharets, and only one which he bought for himself, if they got mixed together, he's still got to be concerned that perhaps the one that he is giving to the Amharets is the one which he designated for himself, in which case it is like an exchange, he is giving it to him himself, and he's not just a messenger, and therefore he would need to separate the tithes before giving it to this Amharets friend. We now move on to the final perek from Sechaz Demai, and the main focus of this perek is different scenarios and different ways with which to separate the Maestras. Different formulas for designating it, and the first case of our perek is Hamazman Eschavei Sheyechel Etzloi, one who invites his friend to eat by him, and we're talking about a situation where an Amhaoretz is inviting a Chover to eat at his house on Shabbos, but he invites him before Shabbos, but the Chover does not trust the Amharetz, who is inviting him with regards to the tithes. He's an Amharetz, so ordinarily he's not allowed to eat at his house without tithing the produce. And since on Shabbos it's forbidden to separate the Maestras, one would think that he is not able to go to this person's house. Now we had a very similar case back in Perak Dalad, except that there the person who was inviting him made a vow that if he wouldn't come then he wouldn't be able to have benefit from him. So because of that, in that case, there were certain leniencies which would allow him to eat at his house even without tithing the produce. 
However, in our case, the Amorites isn't making a vow or anything, and therefore the Chava is not going to be able to go to his house and eat there unless the tithes are separated. So the question is, is there any way to allow him to accept the invitation and go and eat there on Shabbos? Now the halacha is that when it comes to Tevel, which is produce which has definitely not been tithed, we're going to see later on in our Perek that if you're not able to tithe it before Shabbos, then you are able to designate the tithes before Shabbos and then eat it on Shabbos after having separated the tithes on Shabbos itself. However, you're only able to do that if you own the tevel at the time that you're designating the maestras, because you're not allowed to separate tithes from that which is not your own produce. However, when it comes to the mai, one of the leniencies is that one is able to do this even if at the time of the designating of the tithes, it doesn't belong to him, and therefore the rest of the Mishnah is just going to describe the usual designation of tithes from the mai produce, which the Mishnah says, Shabbos, he should say before Shabbos, whatever I'm going to separate tomorrow, when I get the food of the Amoritz's house, Harehu Maisa, that should be my serishan, and as we explained earlier on in the Masechta, he marks off one hundredth of the produce. He makes that maiserish or maiserish somuchlay, and the rest of the maiserishin which needs to be separated, meaning the other nine tenths, you now designate that as maiserishin as well. And then you say that zeshel sisi maiser, the one hundredth which I made maiserishin, also trumas maiser alav, should become trumas maiser for all of the maiserishin. So that's a tenth of the tenth. And then the Maiser Shani should be in the north part of it or the south part of it, meaning that he designates a specific part of the produce to be Maiserishan. Sorry, to be Maiser Shani. And then if he wants, he can say that that is redeemed onto money and will bring the money up to Yerushalayim. The point is that the regular way of tithing does exactly the same thing, just that he designates it before Shabbos. And then when he actually gets the food, the truth is the Gemara says that when he gets the food, he should designate it once more. So say this whole formula again and then separate it on Shabbos itself.